Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for January 17th, 2024, and I hope that it finds all of you doing very well. Now, you know I record these a day in advance. It's actually January 16th when I'm recording this. Um, yesterday, I talked about how there was a little bit of snow. Well, there's uh well you can't see it it's too bright eh, well you did just see my mess of an office but uh, it, it's a lot more snow than it was yesterday in fact i've just been shoveling off the little landing here um, not that we're having preschool today or anything like that but um, i've learned a few things about snow you know where i came from the only really decent snow you ever got it if it snowed in dallas it would snow where we were um so obviously that wasn't a very frequent occasion but i've learned if you uh if you start shoveling this stuff when it's powder it's a whole lot easier than uh, a day or two later when it's frozen so anyway it's been a a bright and early and cold and wonderful morning. I even wore my uh, my snowflake sweater for today in honor of it. I hope that you got some wherever you are, and if uh, if you did, I hope you enjoy it. If not, well, just hunker down. Um, it's not going to be warm, but it is going to be sunny, and it should melt quite a bit of it. I will say, for local people, watch out on the roads. The plows have been coming back and forth, but there are still a few spots that are a little bit rough but um all in all it was it was easy to get here now i say that i only live about a, i don't even know a half a mile from the church so my knowledge is not comprehensive now enough talk of snow and weather and those things that don't have much eternal significance let's talk about something that does the book of acts go ahead and turn to chapter 18 with me i realized after the fact yesterday that we only made it through verse 18 of chapter 18 but it's an important verse it shows us a couple of different lessons it shows us how much acts of kindness can mean to others how it can help to empower others how the lord can use encouragement to make all the difference in the world such was the case with priscilla and aquila and paul um, again, in the book of Acts, we sort of get a surface level view of Paul and what he's going through. It won't be later until he writes the epistles to these specific places that we really see what was going on uh, inside him as he was in these various locations. For instance, he's in, uh, in Acts 18, 18, he's in Corinth, right? He's there with Priscilla and Aquila. But if you go to the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul at the beginning of 1 Corinthians describes what his state was when he arrived there in Corinth. We don't get any of that from the book of Acts. It's, it's for a different purpose, right? But it's very powerful to see what the Lord can do through acts of faithfulness. Okay. Now, where we're picking up today is with the aftermath. I told you yesterday, too, we looked at, at Paul when he cut his hair before their journey away, and we talked about the different options for that. Some people think it's negative, like he broke a promise or something like that. No, uh, my contention is that he didn't break a vow. My contention is that he completed a vow. We went to number six, and we saw that no razor shall touch the hair of his head until that time of separation is complete. Paul separated himself. He gave himself this time of separation as he was doing his missionary journeys, dedicated to holy war, dedicated to the Lord. And then that time ended. And uh, now it doesn't mean that Paul won't continue to go and spread the gospel. We're going to see that today. But it does mean that his focus does shift somewhat. Now, I don't want to go any further, I'll just dig right in. So let's pray first and then we'll dig in. Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us. And I thank you for everybody here for the opportunity we have to spend this time with one another, for the testimony 
of your word that tells us things that happen in time and space. It's historical, it's accurate, yes. But also, Father, in your word is revealed what ought to be the convictions of our heart, what ought to be important to us. So please help us now as we go to your word. And we pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So Acts chapter 18, um, we'll just start reading in verse 18 again. We only read one yesterday, but it says in verse 18, Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sisters, uh, the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had cut off, uh, he had cut his hair off at Centria because of a vow he had taken. So notice it doesn't say broken. Verse 19, they arrived at Ephesus where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they had asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. Then he set sail from Ephesus. When he landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. Now, what do we see going on here? Again, we see this shift, okay? This shift with Paul, where on his first two missionary journeys, he's gone and he's planted all of these different churches, right? But here, what we see is Paul is making a turn. Um, verse 23, after spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. You see, something important is revealed here about church work and about particularly a little thing called revivalism. Y'all, it's extremely important to spread the gospel. It's absolutely required. But along with spreading the gospel must come building the church. Because while God calls certain men to be evangelists, while he gives them the gifts necessary to do that evangelistic work, you need a church. Here's a reason why. I spend so much time saying to y'all, and you know I say it all the time, you need to be a regular part of a Bible-believing church. doesn't have to be Old Providence. It doesn't even have to be Associate Reformed Presbyterian. I will say this, it shouldn't be an apostate denomination. If your church, you may have some conservative people in your church, but if your church is part of a denomination that mocks our Lord, you don't need to be a part of that church because it's not really a church. I'm not trying to be ugly here. I'm not trying to be mean. However, this is important stuff, y'all. Because what Paul shows us here is initially what we see him doing is he's going around, he's evangelizing, he's in the synagogues. In fact, he's doing very much the same thing that he did when he got off the boat, right? Um, when they arrived at Ephesus, it talks about him going into the synagogue and reasoning with the Jews. That's what he's been doing all along. And people have been coming to know the Lord. And then a church is started. All right, that's what, and then he, he would depart from there, He'd go to a different place, and this is what his pattern was. He started this here, but we see a difference. We see him stop. It's time for him to go, and they ask him to stay. And y'all, this just shows us that some good can be of the best. Is there anything wrong with Paul reasoning in the synagogue and trying to win people over for Christ? Absolutely not. That's what he's been doing all along. But Paul is yielding to the Holy Spirit here. He's doing what the Lord is calling him to do, and that is to circle back around to the churches that have been planted. And as much as he may want to stay in Ephesus and reason things out and see people come to know the Lord, it is just as equally important, y'all, and this is what I was getting to, 
It's extremely important to tell the gospel for people to come to know the Lord, but it is extremely important for people who know the Lord to grow in their faith and also be empowered to spread the gospel themselves. Like I was saying, while there are those that are called with the gifts of evangelism, right? These great revival preachers that you can think of. If all you do is revival and you never do discipleship, which it's it's interesting that that specific term is used for what Paul was doing. He was going back around to strengthen the disciples. This is discipleship. If all you do is revival and you never get around to growing people in the faith, what happens when that one evangelist is gone? Well, you got problems, right? You got Santa Claus, but Christmas gets canceled. <laughs> you need people to go out and share the truth of Jesus Christ. That's also a reason why I spend so much time talking about how evangelism is not this thing that you and I should fear. It's just talking to each other. It's talking to those that don't know Jesus and just bearing witness, saying, this is what I've seen. This is what the Lord has done for me. And the Lord uses that, right? That's what Paul has taken up at this point. He's not doing the church planting thing. Instead, he has transitioned around to going back, looping back, and strengthening the churches that are there. And you want to know why this is so important? Well, let me give you a practical example of why it's so important that, that the church is strengthened. Remember who was with Paul there? Priscilla and Aquila, right? Those that greeted him in Corinth, right? They were just part of the, of the people there, but they grew as a result of their relationship with Paul, as a result of his discipleship with them. And what do we see them do? Well, that's revealed in the rest of the chapter. Verse 24, meanwhile, a Jew, excuse me, named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. Now, pause. Just a moment ago, I talked about how discipleship and building the church is just as important as the revival, just as important as the evangelism. This is why. Read between the lines here. This Jew that is a follower of Christ shows up in Ephesus. He's originally from Alexandria. We don't know entirely his background. Church tradition tells us he was a man of means, right? That he had the money to be able to do stuff like this but that he was this incredibly learned man, but his knowledge was only partial. And what do you find? You don't find Paul taking him in and training him. No, 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 no. You find Priscilla and Aquila, believers, right? We read some of the passage yesterday about what they did in the early church, the work that they put in, how they risked their lives for Paul. What we find is other believers taking in someone and discipling him. And what happened as a result of their discipling him? Verse 27, when Apollos wanted to go on to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. On arriving, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. What you find here is, Paul discipling Priscilla and Aquila, Priscilla and Aquila discipling Apollos, and Apollos then going to a church to be discipled. And what happens? 
Well, he's a disciple that starts making disciples. And not only that, he is a warrior for the faith. It's that paradigm, you see, that tells you why the church is so important, why it's normally through the church that salvation is reckoned. Yes, there are revival preachers. And yes, you may have responded at one point in your life to a sermon you heard. Most likely it was at a church. And the church is the one that supports these ministries, right? That's why the church must be built. And furthermore, there's a reason Jesus made the promises that he made. What did he say the gates of hell should not prevail against? Against revival preachers? Against big tents? No. He said the gates of hell should not prevail against his church, which he will build. And he's keeping that promise. Paulus, on a different note, is an interesting character. Tonight, by the time this airs, well, I say tonight, um, it's going to be really cold today. I don't know. We may, I don't know if the parking lot's going to get pushed. We may have to cancel church tonight. I don't know. Um, Old Providence people, stay tuned to Facebook and also to uh, to the one call if we have to cancel to come through there. But nevertheless, nevertheless, getting back to, to what I was saying here. Apollos is one of those that is thrown out as a possibility for writing the book of Hebrews. Why is that? Well, because the book of Hebrews is probably the most technically written book in the New Testament in terms of its Greek, in terms of its style. There are people that point to Apollos that say, well, you know, obviously whoever writes the book of Hebrews has a thorough knowledge of Judaism, okay? Um, one of the prime places that it may be written to is Alexandria. That's where Apollos is from. Um, certainly he had the means to do it. He's educated enough to do it. So they point to Apollos. Personally, I don't think that's right. I think it's Luke, but that's neither here nor there. But it's important to see something here. As learned as Apollos was, as talented as Apollos was, yet again, we see the value of, a, of, of discipleship, of God's people being disciples and making disciples out of other people. The reason I say that is, if you drop back um, to verse 25, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord and spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. Only the baptism of John. What does this mean? It means that Apollos, for all of his fervor, for all of the things that he said right, there's something that he got very wrong. But what is this baptism of John that's being spoken of here? Well, there's different opinions, but the most obvious and by far away, that I think the most plausible is that the baptism of John that is being referenced here is John the baptizer, right? And you say, well, what baptism did he have? Well, John the Baptist went to a group of people that didn't even know Jesus was there yet. He went to Jews and proclaimed a baptism of repentance, a baptism of cleansing. And if you think, well, that's what we do, isn't it? No, that's, that's not what we do. And one of the primary evidences of it is that that's what Apollos apparently is going around and preaching, that baptism is about something we're saying to God and to other people, when in reality, baptism is about being marked for the kingdom of God. That's one of the reasons that we baptize infants, but I'm not going there today. Um, one of the biggest reasons that people insist on only believers' baptism is, oh yeah, you got to be a believer to be baptized because look at what's going on in the New Testament. 
And my usual response is, you mean all the people that John the Baptist was baptizing? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, well, um, we know if we read back there that he's baptizing all these people before Jesus ever even comes on the scene publicly. Those people didn't even know who Jesus was, most of them, right? And then Jesus himself is baptized. So it can't be a baptism of repentance of sins because Jesus didn't have any sins to repent of. It's got to mean something different. And if you doubt that, well, Acts 18 here, verse 19, Apollos is going around teaching the baptism of John. And while he's accurate in what he says about Jesus, he's wrong on that point. And he needs someone to train him. He needs someone to, for the Holy Spirit to use to illuminate the truth of God's word to him. Again, that's why church, one of 10 million reasons, is so important. Now, two applications. Again, number one, you know, I'm going to say it. You need to be a regular part of a Bible-believing church. And you need to pay attention. There's a reason I throw Bible-believing in there. You need to pay attention to what's being taught. All right. But number two, and this one's important, you know, the knowledge that the Lord has given to you, it isn't just meant to be anecdotal. The knowledge that the Lord has given you of scriptures is not meant to be something that you just hang on to and store away, though we do hide God's word in our hearts so that we would not sin against him. This knowledge that he has given to you, along with the gifts that he has given to you, have been given not just for you, but for the building up of the church. And I'm going to say something. It goes along with number one, that you need to be a regular part of a Bible-believing church. Look, if you are not, you may not be missing church. But hear me now. The church is missing you. You are uniquely gifted and equipped to do something that the Lord has for you to do as a regular part of a Bible-believing church, as a group of believers. The Lord has given you gifts for use in his church, and you may not miss church. One of the best signs I saw during COVID for church signs is the danger of missing church is that soon you won't be missing it. The danger of missing church is that soon you won't be missing it. There's something to that, isn't there? But all that being said, you, if you are a follower of Christ, are gifted you have a task. There is something that the Lord is calling you to do in your local church, Bible-believing church, that doesn't include just showing up at 11 o'clock on Sunday, okay? Sometimes what that means is it doesn't necessarily mean an official function within the church. It doesn't mean I have to volunteer for this committee or anything. It means living your life with the church, being an encouragement to others in the church. Now, the Lord may have something for you, particularly but being a part of the body of believers, loving one another, encouraging one another, back to Acts chapter 2, letting your love for one another be shown so that the world looks in from the outside and they say, I don't know what's going on there, but I don't have this and I want this. So, number one, you need to be a regular part of a Bible-believing church, but number two, you need to consider what the Lord would have you do in his church who the Lord may have you disciple. You may have somebody in your life that's a young believer, somebody that doesn't understand that you need to engage over biblical things. I know that's the Lord's business, but I know he has something for you because the Lord doesn't save us just to be ornaments. No, 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 We were bought at a price and he saves us to work in his church. Let's pray. Our Father, I thank you so much for everybody here for this time, for the blessing of technology even, that we can do this sort of thing. But I pray that you would help us to take the long, hard look at ourselves, that we would examine who we are, what we do, why we do what we do, 
And if there's any here that are a regular part of this or maybe even a regular part of, of just online stuff, it, convict them that, that they would become a regular part of a church um, and really be there because the church needs them. Father, I thank you for all those who you save and for all those you're going to save and for who you use to do it. Let us see where we fit in and let us be faithful. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Again, Old Providence people, be listening for the one call if we uh, end up canceling service um, tonight. I don't know. I, I don't have any sense of things. I guess it'll depend. I know it's supposed to be really sunny on Wednesday, and that burns through a lot of this snow, but today it's supposed to be cloudy, and I don't think above 25 or so. But anyway, enjoy it while it's here. Take care. <laughs>